nice to you. Yeah? Boo! Ah! Ah! <laughs> Did I scare you? Yeah, I was you can't you can't see it because this is an audio program, but well, me, visually I looked like that painting, the scream. I like the, completely the dislocated scream. my you're, jaw you're, in terror. Your jaw like unhinged and it's now on the floor like a Tex Avery wolf. Um, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we got some I mean, I'm, I can I can see my uh, my my audio waveform and audacity as we record, and it's like it's a <laughs> solid spikes. blue rectangle. <laughs> no, it didn't even like you can't see the spikes anymore because it's it's all clipping now. It's just, <laughs> just a solid blue rectangle in the waveform. <laughs> That's gonna be fun for Miguel to edit. <gasps> yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of scary things, we're recording this on uh, currently San Diego Comic Con is going on, and they just announced a shit ton of new marvel movies and tv shows like up to phase six so i did we're gonna phase six now i didn't see any of i didn't see any of this so yeah well we're gonna be basically doing this podcast forever which is like keep giving us money and that works fine for me yeah um, you know what top of the top of the hour uh hi it's uh marvelous it's nicole your friend nicole and I'm here with This is a Discourse Stew, aka Tyrell James. Um I don't know why I I don't at some point I thought oh, I'll switch I'll I'll like try and isolate my Twitter account from like whatever else I do. And it's I've tried and it doesn't seem to catch on. People just keep calling me Stu, even though that's never actually been my name in real life. I'm I just mean, used to it now. It's it's I wouldn't mind if you uh, well, I don't know. But yeah. Uh anyways, so we're we've we're taking a break from Marvel for uh, this, this is a, our, a little our, bit. This is our I mean, third. We've, yeah, um, we've done a couple watch something else episodes. This is our first like bonus show in the sense where at least some of the content will be paywall. Yeah. So uh, top of the hour, we have teased this episode like numerous times before. And we have talked about this, doing this for months. And yeah, yeah it's, it's been in the works. Watch Batman versus Superman very near future was like yeah i we need to be like we need to indulge ourselves in order to go that low so we are doing uh suspiria versus suspiria or uh suspiria uh 1977 directed by dario argento which will be the topic of this specific uh uh discussion uh we're gonna be splitting this podcast into two episodes that's right you gotta gotta give us at least three dollars a month to get the other half of it, which I think gotta, is, so you is reasonable. Three, yeah, you got to give us $3 a month in order, order to hear me talk passionately about one of my favorite films ever made, which is uh, uh, Luca Guadagnino's, uh, I wouldn't even call it a remake. It's like, a, I think Mia Goth described it as a tip of a hat. I would say it's like a cover and a reinterpretation of his version of Suspiria. Uh, you'll have to, you'll have to, Give us your money if you want to hear me talk about that. But we're going to talk about the 1977's Suspiria being probably the most, maybe more well-known than the remake, even though the remake, like, came out fairly recently. But in terms of, like, Suspiria 77 is legendary. Yeah, yeah. Probably the the, the most well-known Giallo movie 
or giallo. I don't know yeah, if it's we'll such a hard giallo. G or a soft G. Giallo. Yeah. So, well, giallo, okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk so about Ita- like- lurid Italian horror yeah. films, of which I've only it's seen slashes. a couple. It's like, like I've seen this and I've seen The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, which was like a late, like 2000s era. That's like a neo giallo movie. Or I've, I've watched a lot. Yeah. That's a that's a weird that's a weird movie. That's a that's I've a movie I, I too, yeah. That's a movie I watched on Netflix high in like twenty fourteen and I'm like I I don't know if I liked it or not. I yeah. I really <laughs> like Jalo. Um so I guess before we kind of discuss like our, our first uh introduction or first uh awareness of this movie. Um so technically speaking Suspiria is not a giallo in the sense of like the traditional giallo. Um, giallo means yellow in Italian. Um, it's oh, basically it? an Italian, sli- yeah, yellow, like oh. the color yellow, uh, because uh, they're based largely based off of these like pulp back mystery thriller novels, and the spines and like the covers themselves were this very distinctive like piss yellow, and so that's where the oh, that's really giallo comes from. So it's uh, like the it, the yeah. term has its origins in like pulp, pulp novels, horror, yeah. thriller literature, and then it be, it be, it starts to be applied to movies that have that same sort of feel in the in the sense. Yeah, and and really the grandfather of the giallo genre is the Italian director Mario Bava, who did a uh, film like I want to say I think it was nineteen sixty four, mid sixties, Blood and Black Lace, uh, which had a, a red letter media superstar uh, Cameron Mitchell. In it, and that kind of uh, set up many of the uh, stylistic references and uh, conventions that would define the giallo genre. So, um, you know, very, very uh, stylized production design, beautiful women in beautiful clothes getting murdered, stabbed horribly. Uh, the black blood. Be- beautiful women dying beautifully. Beautiful women dying beautifully and horrifically. Um, yeah. So those are kind of, at least off the top, top of my head, like three of the most distinctive aspects of the giallo. But um, giallos were tr- traditionally speaking more in the vein of like a mystery thriller than a straight up horror. So um, the so let's let's talk about like what was our first introduction to this movie? I think mine might have actually been through the the theme song, which is probably. Maybe Suspiria's soundtrack might be a little bit more famous in the film itself. Like, I think a lot of people heard the theme before seeing the movie. I mean, Goblin also did, you know, like Dawn of the Dead, which has an awesome soundtrack. Yeah, um, they're they're legendary in terms of yeah. soundtracks. But this is like their best known one. I think maybe my like, no, I know my, my first exposure to Suspiria was there was this, uh, uh, do you have Bravo up in... Uh, up in Canada, um, the channel Bravo. Well, here, here's the thing: Canada, like we have our Canadian channels, and then if you like, usually you have to pay a bit more. You can get okay. the like American. Well, the the American broadcast networks are lumped in, but like the American okay. cable, you've got American cable channels, which you can usually get, and then you've got like Canadian cable channels that are just sort of like a version of that. So, like instead of MTV, we had much music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've and, had that discussion. In, instead of instead of sci-fi, we had the Space Channel. So they're like the same thing, and they'd like just buy the rights to like the same shit 
we had cartoon like we yeah, had uh, no we had Teletoon. YTV, yeah, y- well, YTV was just like a general youth oriented network. Okay. Um, I don't know. If, okay. I, actually, I don't know if America has an equivalent. Um, but like instead of much music, uh, instead of uh, MTV had much music. Instead of um, Space Channel or instead of Sci Fi, we had Space Channel, um, which was just like it, it would like they're it, just it, like, like yeah, playing Sci Fi movies. Maybe. And like half to seventy percent of what they did was just licensing their American equivalents. But then they'd like have like weird little like Canadian only or other things because we've got. Okay. In Canada, because like we've always kind of like since we became a separate country from Britain, we've always had this like we could be absorbed by America at any minute thing going because we have one tenth the population. Yeah. Um. So so we have what are called CanCon or, or Canadian content laws. We've had them for decades and decades. Um. And they mandate that like a certain amount of media content is Canadian in origin. At least plausibly. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's like American finance, but had like a Canadian director and was shot in Toronto and like have it, like like Black Christmas or something. Like a yeah, uh, like a lot of Canadian creators who go down to Hollywood get their start and those like half like or like like you know the cartoon reboot, the one that was like the first CGI one that was set in a computer. Oh, that was yeah, yeah. It, the the guys are all from Britain, I think, but that was a Canadian show. It was made in Vancouver. Um, for budget probably. Well, no, no, no. They just moved there. Like the, oh, okay. the, like the ma- mainframe, the like setting of the show, the the virtual city that represents like a, a server of a computer connected to a network, um, is has like five sections of it, like five neighborhoods that are all or boroughs that have different names, and one of them is Kits five after Kitsilano, which is and one of them is Kits after Kitsilano, which is the neighborhood in Vancouver where the actual like mainframe studios was located. Okay. So like, but also it can be really annoying because it's like, it means like if one Canadian thing catches on in the wider world, you will just like Nickelback, you'll just hear it constantly. Because it's like, oh, we're, we're fitting our can Canadian content regulations, but we're also like putting something out there that like everyone recognizes and likes because we're so like uh, American culture into a somewhat lesser extent British culture as time goes on, like really influenced us. So anything that's big in the state, so like Avril Lavigne, um, Rush, kinda, mm-hmm. uh, Nickelback, Brian Adams, like anything that gets big in the states that's technically Canadian, gets like echo boomed back here to be on the radio and TV constantly. It's like, oh, you can fit CanCon regulations, but also put out something that is popular and well established. Any, we're talking about an Italian this, horror movie. This, and this, this has this- been <laughs> Stu's Canadian corner. Stay tuned uh, next episode when we discuss Suspiria 2018, where I'm sure Stu will go on a weird Canadian tangent. I, um, I, but anyway, anyways, I'm, long, long. I normally don't made. record these inebriated or stoned, and I've made an exception in this case because it's a bonus episode. It's all right. It's all right. But anyways, my, my point was there was this uh, series. It was like a four part series, like scariest movie moments ever made. That was. Uh, like that ran on Bravo Network. It's now it's the network that's most known for just like being where they show Real Housewives. Um, oh yeah, Suspiria, yeah, yeah. Suspiria, the opening fifteen minutes, that legendary opening kill in Suspiria. That was like number twenty four out of one hundred. Um, and I think the other, and I think I I watched that probably when I was like like early teens that maybe ran like around like 2006 2007 somewhere in the mid 2000s but i think the other 
um after that i don't think i watched the movie until i was like in college if not like late high school um but i i was also like introduced to the music as well i remember they used uh goblin's theme which uh miguel has kindly kindly edited to be our intro for this episode yes um uh, it was used in the trailer for uh carrie fukunaga's uh adaptation of jane ear um and i was yeah yeah it's it's in there um not the movie itself it's in that trailer but yeah what what was your first experience with suspiria it's and it's a, you can only call it a, an experience. Your first time watching, yeah, experience, oh, definitely. Experience. So what what you're describing, like that's kind of like how I described my first experience with like Phantasm. Was like I saw like yes. a part of it in like a cable reference thing, and I was like, I, I like, oh, I got to see this movie. This looks insane. Suspiria came later. Suspiria was, I think, like the May. I like it just it come up in conversation and articles and stuff so i was like i was kind of like aware of it and then it was the guy um i i used to host a podcast with called homo vulgaris a guy named danny or dr shagath and he was like a lot of my intro to a lot of like wider cultural stuff um and he was like he loved suspiria he was he was big into it he was big into the remake when it came out which we'll talk about which we will we will talk about which i will i i said this yeah. before online but i will be dropping um what could be a very controversial statement on that episode but we'll reserve that um but yeah it's, for anyone, it's, yeah it is one of the most nicole core it movies, is it like, is like made. the most me movie it, it's like yeah it is a very nicole core movie um but uh, a little bit of background on this movie um so this was Dario Argento's, and he by this point in uh, his career, he'd already made several Giallo films, all of which have been very, very successful. Uh, the film he made just before Suspiria uh, was a Giallo called Deep Red, in which uh, one of the Profundo Rosso, <laughs> in which one of the yeah Profondo Rosso, as the Italian uh, title goes, it does. It sounds cool in Italian. It's it's cool. Um, yeah. But uh, the lead actress on that movie was a woman called Dario Nicolodi. And uh, Dario Nicolodi and Dario Argento eventually, you know, began a romantic relationship. And during that course, uh, they started working on this screenplay together, um, which was would become Suspiria. Uh, Dario Argento had read this uh, this book i'm not sure if it's a book or it's more like a collection of essays and it's more like the ramblings of a crazy person uh thomas de quincey's suspiria de profundus um he was specifically inspired by this one section um titled what is the title lavana and her sisters of sorrow uh yeah lavana and her sisters of sorrow uh but dario argento was also in partly inspired by this story Daria Nicolodi had about her grandmother going to this school and believing all of the teachers and the staff were actually witches. Um, but a little more specifically, the uh, Levana and Our Ladies of Sorrow section, it details like three ancient uh, female deities, like, you know, there are three fates, there are three, you know, insert other 
Some, triumphant trinities yeah. like Tri- the holy yeah. trinity and catholicism is like definitely like a remnant of an older concept yeah it's it yeah he envisioned um thomas de quincy and all of his like cocaine opiate drug and fueled uh uh delirium just victorian just, era degenerate de- victorian uh, era degenerate could- doing a lot of drugs yeah, Wikipedia uh, credits him with inventing junkie literature in, in the grand tradition yeah. of like train spotting and um, William Burroughs, okay. I guess. Okay, that's that's good to know. But um, basically, the idea of the three mothers spawns from uh, Suspiria Profundis, also where the title itself comes from, um, about these like three sisters, like as old as time, like companions to the three fates, um, Mater Lacrimarum. Was the Lady of Tears, uh, Mater Tenebarum, uh, Our Lady of Darkness, and then Mater Suspiriorum, Lady of Sighs or Whispers. Um, this was eventually the Three Mothers itself um, was eventually introduced in Suspiria's follow-up film. Um, I yeah, I would call Inferno a sequel to uh, this movie because it does specifically reference the events of this film um we're absolutely i'm probably unless i feel really low or have nothing to do i don't think i'll ever watch mother of tears because that's uh that's that's dario arge everything past like the year kind of 2001 i think even even before then is like dario argento's big l era um his his last movie was not good but it wasn't like completely terrible but uh he yeah he took a real nosedive in quality but um anyways uh fun fact about this movie also is that when dario argento originally envisioned what this film would be he wanted all of the actresses to be like preteens like young girls uh he brought that up to uh his producer his who happened to be his father and he was like absolutely not no movie is going to get made where you know we're we're subjecting preteens to this horrifying violent uh affair uh which i don't know did we i don't think we've even said what the plot of this movie is uh which is really simple <laughs> it's it's i can summarize it in like five words uh german ballet school run by witches that's there's your plot um yeah so let's want to get into the movie itself because you just you just rewatched it last night i rewatched it a couple days ago so it's still fresh in my mind okay um sorry miguel we had a technical hiccup we're just resuming recording okay. with that clap so suspiria 1977 yeah. So with that, let's talk about probably some of the best, like, opening 15 minutes of filmmaking ever made. Uh, I, I mean, what, what other movie would make arriving at an airport this stylish and atmospheric? It's Or being caught in the rain or being murdered horrendously in a gorgeous, gorgeous fucking apartment building. Um. First, just at the, you know, in, in addition to this movie is very, very well known for its 
spectacular color palette. It's like one of the last films that was processed in Technicolor and it used the same uh, color processing that was used on like the Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind, which is what really helps that uh, fully saturated color palette just like pop out. Um, like yeah, this, it's, it's a very vibrant this is, film. Just this might be like it. one of the most colorful films ever made. Like they're like every shade of the rainbow is in every frame and it's uh it's a movie like every film student has tried to emulate to a paltry degree um but the the besides the music and besides the just cinematography itself which was done by a very prolific italian uh filmmaker who worked with uh michelangelo Antolini, um, by the name of Luciano Tavoli. Luciano Tavoli. Tavoli. I should not be mispronouncing like Italian things, considering I'm part Italian and I literally just went to an Italian restaurant with my dad for like a late birthday celebration. Yeah, when you when you eat spaghetti or lasagna, it like imbues you with a, a, a linguistic power. You can look at your name and go, oh yeah. But I'm also from Boston. So that means like, I can't pronounce anything correctly. That's just a regional deficiency. Uh, but any, anyways, the other really like distinctive thing about this movie is the production design. Um, like in addition to the script for Suspiria, um, remaining completely unchanged even after like the producers and the studio were like, no, Dario, you cannot cast preteen girls in this violent, supernatural, like, no, you, like killer. We, we can't drop a 12 year old into a pile of razor. Wire. No, no, it would be banned literally in every single country on earth. Um, he nonetheless, uh, in addition to like, keeping like the script and like a lot of the dialogue in this movie comes off as very childish because it was intentionally written for little girls to say. Yeah, that, that's something I noticed is like these these dance studio students um who are all nominally like I don't know 18, 20. Like, yeah, in their twenties, like um, early, mid, late twenties. They they do like feel like Middle school children in that. When I read that, that, like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Susie, I heard that girls whose names begin with the letter S are snakes. Like that's like a cheap example. Like that. Scene yeah, that just comes kind of literally like sticking nowhere. their tongues out at each yeah, other, kind of dialogue. But anyways, um, and I'm I wonder if you noticed this too. Like the production design of like the school itself, um. Uh, is like made to uh, like really dwarf the actresses so they're uh, like the door handles on all the doors are like to their like eye level height so they kind of have to like reach up which which makes them smaller seeming in proportion so it's like psychologically um, working that way like as a production um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, the characters are often dwarfed by their surroundings. Um, yeah, which is, like, we don't have production design like this anymore. I think this is kind of like... No, it's like, imagine, imagine yeah. being in any, like, fucking apartment Real building sets. as beautiful, beautiful as anything that looks as anything in this movie. Beautiful <laughs> outfits. 
gorgeous lighting. I can see shit. Um, but actually, let's let's speaking of which, it's a, uh, the whole movie yeah. feels like beauty is in and of itself like an uh, it's uh, yeah a, a an imperative artistically. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about our cast. Um, I mean, the the most important role in this movie is the uh, star. Uh, it's uh, Jessica Harper, who uh, Dario Argento decided to cast in this movie as a uh, title role, not the title role, uh, main lead role of uh, Susie Banyan. She is a American uh, ballet student, and that's, it's conveniently provided by a, a weird narrator at the very beginning of the movie. He doesn't even, like, wait until the credits stop playing to like start this, this feels like one of those exposition. late late in production things you're just like well you know yeah like half the audience doesn't really understand what's going on it's like it's so some guy count. comes it's like Susie Banyan is a ballet student who signed up for this academy in South Germany and something something yeah but um he Dario Argento casted Dario uh Dario. he did not cast himself uh he, <laughs> I think originally originally Susie Banyan was um, conceived and written for Daria Nicolodi to play. Um, and I think the producers were like, I f- we need an American like actress in the lead in order for this film to be marketable overseas. Um, so Dario Argento was very impressed by Jessica Harper's performance in Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise, which is a really fucking good movie as well. Um, and oh, yeah, also, that movie also a movie yeah. where... Jessica Harper does more actual dancing in that movie than she does in a movie set in a ballet school, <laughs> which yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, that in the the for twenty eighteen. But like in, there in is part like two, weird, like, but lack of dancing in this movie that takes place at a dance academy. <laughs> yeah, the the well, the, the, the being a well in this movie is a ballet like school and, it, and it's it co-ed like kind of like it's a co-ed school because there are like guys and tights there's a guy there's like one there's one guy no there are like three there's that one guy i, just, kinda I like didn't there. notice the other ones there's the one guy there's, there's the one like guy that like flirty with Susie, but he's probably like yeah super gay and i think i think someone alludes to, to that too in the movie i think it, but yeah no it's uh i i, I forgot like like this movie is is remembered for being very female led and female like oriented, but I aside from like the blind piano player who gets uh get mauled to death by his seeing eye dog in another really great scene in this movie. Yeah, uh, there there are like a handful of like guys and male students running around, but the focus is primarily on Susie herself, um, Jessica Harper. Um, she arrives to come perfect her ballet studies in Germany and boy does she stumble into way more than she was prepared for um as she's arriving at the school and it's a just pouring rain like violent rainstorm the night of the arrival like really really setting that like spooky, yeah and that, scary that, that goblin theme song is and running that the whole way it's like but um as Susie's arriving a another student um named uh pat hangle uh who is which is the name of an actor the com commissioner gordon in the old uh tim burton batman movie so oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Commissioner, pat commissioner gordon is is uh, escaping the school he's like at the front door talking to someone 
We can't see behind the door. Susie hears like fragments of it. Girl runs off into the rain, into the forest. Um, uh, follow that woman, Pat Hangle. She is a, or was rather, a student at the dance academy. And she goes to uh, her friend's apart, beautiful, beautiful apartment to hide out. She's convinced people are stalking her. There's some weird shit going on. And um, yeah, she gets fucking killed horribly and beautifully. Oh, yeah. In as as I said, like I think this is probably one of the most beautiful on screen kills ever done in a movie. Oh, totally. That, that's why I said like beautiful women dying beautifully. She she gets her chest and and all in like just vibrant, saturated. It stabs her in a beating heart. Yeah, just her chest is carved open, seventy beating heart. She's noosed up and dropped through a, a stained glass a, window a, a stained glass skylight yeah uh, in primary and colors which primary colors as well as like the color green are very very just vivid yeah and like, vivid in this movie um so and then yeah she, she she's hanging there dripping blood and then her her poor her poor friend gets impaled by the friend, glass roommate maybe lover if i'm like not reading too much into the subtext I think Dario Argento like said somewhere that like you can probably read like a lesbian interpretation into this movie. I don't know if he was being maybe like legit or just like this is something people have said to me, I guess. It's 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 hard to say, yeah. But I definitely I don't know, I saw I mean maybe it's unintentional, but yeah, maybe I, I kind of saw a little bit of that in a couple of places in that movie. And then one of them is here. She, she comes running from the studio and the dance Academy and to her know, roommate friend lover. <laughs> and there's just something about like the way the, the her companions falling around like, are you okay? Like, is this going like, this just I don't know. It felt like that. I don't get it. Maybe it's totally unintentional and we're just retroactively applying modern sensibilities to it. But yeah, she, she gets dropped through the skylight and hung off, an extension cord, and then her 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 companion is is just a, a piece of framing from the skylight impales her, and then she's sliced through the head with a great big piece of green stained glass. And it's beautiful. It's like an, a, it really is. The thing about <laughs> like Argento, is hypnotic. It's like Argento on his peak, and this was what I found so disappointing with his like latest movie. Uh, it's called like Dark Glasses. Is like at his peak, Argento has such a distinctive and inspired visual style like the way he frames um shots uh like camera movement composition like it's 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 unparalleled literally every frame of painting every frame of painting like it's actually someone who actually liked is probably taking that so he (laughs) and the problem the problem with his late like dark glasses is he like hired some like bumfuck netflix cinematographer so everything looks like flat it's like like what a what a boring ass film student trying to emulate argento would make but worse um so that's like cinematographers backslash directors of photography are an underrated part of how a movie looks absolutely um Let's so our other characters, Susie befriends another dancer at the ballet school, um, which is just called uh uh 
Tanz Academy. Just Dance Academy. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, I think, or, or Tom Academy, I think at one point, uh, Udo Kier shows up later on to deliver an exposition, um, but he's dubbed over with a different guy, so it doesn't sound like Udo Kier, but that's a thing with all these Italian movies. They were uh, dubbed in post. Everyone just spoke uh, their own languages. N- noted star of uh, Uwe Boll's. Uh, Wait, he was? House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Udo Kier's in House I of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, Udo Kier is like. He, he's also like a really. He was a real hottie back in the day, but he's he's in a lot of like really good stuff. There was this um, movie that came out. A uh, couple like last year uh, uh, from Brazil called Bacro, and he's like the bad guy in it, and he's fucking terrifying. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, Sarah is played by Stefania Cassini, who is an Italian or at least a European actress who uh, like worked with uh, Bernardo Bertolucci uh, before being in Suspiria and uh, Dario No, Argento. wait, sorry. No, yeah. not Udo Kier. I was thinking of Jürgen Prock now. <laughs> How do you... <laughs> All right. If anyone, if anyone can't tell, Stu's had a little... A little, uh, a little bit of... A little, oh, it's been kicking back a little fun juice tonight. Uh, How do you fucking confuse Udo Kier? It's Udo Kier. <laughs> They're both German. Udo Kier has like the bright fucking blue eyes. Though, like, you don't. Okay, anyways. They're both German. Okay, anyways. Okay. <laughs> well, all, all these male white so boys be the same. <laughs> to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Okay, uh, so, but the, uh, the school itself. It is uh, run by this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! What's Udo Kieran? Jurgen Procto is the DOS boot guy. What was Udo Kieran? <laughs> Udo Kieran is in a uh, 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 Doctor Jekyll and Mrs. Uh, fuck, I forget the. It, it was a Valerian. Uh, it was a Boro movie. Uh, he's he's been in a lot of shit. He's. I, like, I know the name, but like I feel like I'm fucking. Hold on, let me. Because I I want to get past this, but I clearly I need to tell he's you. He's barely else. in the movie, he's and I'm in, completely he sidetracked. <laughs> he was in. Uh, uh, he was in Europa. He was in. What the fuck? He was in Ace Ventura: Peck Detective. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's in Johnny Mnemonic. He's in he's in like a shit ton of movies. He was in Armageddon too. Like you'll you'll know you know Udo here when you see him. He's yeah. got very distinctive, like <laughs> scary blue eyes. Um, but the anyways, the Dance Academy is was founded by this woman called uh, Helena Marcos, the uh, directress, uh, directress Marcos. Um, to uh, spoiler alert, she's actually a centuries old witch leading uh, this. Coven of witches that is running this dance academy. Uh, second, which which all reasonable religious people expelled from their communities. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, second in command is this one is a uh, woman named Madame Blanc, who is played by a silent German film actress uh, who worked with like Fritz Lang and the hated uh, Joan Bennett. Uh, this was her final film role. 
actually. Oh. Um, and yeah, as I said, she she did a lot of work uh, with Fritz Lang, like or, like German Expressionism, and Dario Argento also cited uh, that particular movement, like the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, like Fritz Lang stuff, like Metropolis, all that very distinctive German Expressionism um, art direction as also a very key inspiration to the look of this movie as well, like the well, this. Yeah, so something I noticed about this movie is it's very. I, I noticed, and I, th- I was wondering if I was like a little like projecting when I read this into the movie, rewatching it as this this sort of like dark, more you know lurid, violent fairy version tale. of a fairy tale. It is, and I saw like it is, like yeah, like like Snow White was. It is, was a, yeah, the Snow Disney White, Snow White film was a big influence. He, uh, on Dario it. Argento literally told uh, his like the director of photography like showed him snow white was like this is what i want the movie to look like i want it to look like a living cartoon um and also just the the fairy tale dynamic um and this is this is i mean it's it's structured like a fairy tale so you've got your 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 ingenue and she encounters this uh uh a deceptively hostile coven of witches and then and then kills the one at the top and then gets away by being clever and virtuous like it's it is it's a fairy tale yeah. film basically and also in the sense that this is also rather uh uh characteristic of like italian giallo or just italian like horror movies in general it's pretty thin on narrative plot and like characterization um and which which we'll see like as in drastic, drastic comparison when we talk about uh, Guadagnino's version of Suspiria. Yeah, yeah, an, um, an opposite mirror universe movie. Yeah, but right. uh, another sort of uh, aspect of the you know fairy tale tone of the movie is that the like it, the film could be coincidentally set like anywhere in Europe. Really, um, mm. in, in Guadagnino Suspiria, it needs to take place in Berlin for the story to work. Yeah, but, um, yeah, this, yeah. Germany, like yeah. Germany, has its own like historical ties to like fairy tales, like the Grimm Brothers. Um, I think I'm pretty sure Snow White was a German fairy tale, um, or at least has like German origins. Um, you know, uh, like, pro- you probably see, all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of that stuff seems to like the Grimm's were German when they assembled all those fairy tales in the early 19th century. Um, I also think there was, there was some occult, like I, I read allusions to this. I don't, I don't know the details um, that like uh, part of the film was based on, on Daria Nicolodi's like her, her, yeah, her, her grandmother, grandmother had, like had a, a, a story yeah. about, yeah, going to a private school or something. And that was all she was like, she oh, was, shit, all of them are witches. Uh, yeah, which witches ran my shitty boarding school. Um, but I get the set. I mean, it's hard to say, too. Like, some of this could have just been, like, marketing hype when the movie came out. But they're, like, you get the sense from from some of these kind of interview excerpts from interviews that, that, that uh, Nickelodeon Argento took the occult stuff and the idea of witchcraft, like, seriously yeah. and literally i yeah um this movie forms its own well in in the udo kier exposition dump that is like so big he has to hand it off to another guy <laughs> midway through. yeah yeah there's like there's there's professor explaining witches and he's like well here's the senior exec here's the senior professor 
of explaining wishes. Yeah, which is which is fun. Like, yeah, the 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 main. I I don't want to say it's like a inherent fault to this movie. It's kind of just like by design itself, and also just kind of being a product of like Italian filmmaking at the time. Like, it has like gaps in logic and gaps in like narrative stability like there's one point and i i noticed this um when Susie arrives uh she's speaking with madame blanc and madame blanc is saying oh you were supposed to be coming last night we we were expecting you where were you um Susie tells her oh i did arrive last night around 10 o'clock but you know they wouldn't let me in uh turns out sarah uh was talking uh sarah is the one who uh pat hingle was talking to and warning about uh where the witch is like secret lair is it's uh, yeah if if you haven't seen the film like it's there's a dance academy it's it's run by witches yeah (laughs) yeah this is i mean that is the film but uh, oh did i did we do a summary and i I just I did. My memory. I, I gave like oh, a, fuck. I, it's <laughs> a very easy movie to summarize. This is gonna yeah. be a funny episode. Uh, oh god, I I thought oh Miguel, yeah, it's a bonus app. Fun, like editing like drunken sound effects <laughs> to Stu's uh, audio track. My name is Hans. Drinking has ruined my life. I'm 31 years old. Uh Literally, like not even two minutes after that conversation between. Uh, Susie and Madame Blanc, uh, there are a couple of police officers who are visiting the school to, you know, do some investigation about Patricia's horrific, horrific death um, just off of campus, um, literally the day after she got kicked out of the academy. Outrageously theatrical death. Outrageously theatrical, incredible, beautiful death. Um, And Susie overhears the conversation with the uh, police officers. She's like, oh, I saw Patricia leaving. It was around 11 o'clock. Which, on the one hand, could definitely be a mistake. Like, at first, I was like, wait a minute. No, she said 10 10 o'clock, like, two minutes earlier. But I think, and this is, I think, like, the substance and, like, the main plot, like, the plot of the movie being around witchcraft kind of grants it some immunity because you can kind of chalk all the vagaries up in the story and the weird stuff being like yeah witchcraft witchcraft maybe she she's under a spell where she's you know lost yeah well, i mean the whole time. she's lying you know they got her to lie the, the movie does depict magic as being like kind of beyond plot convenience well, I, I, it's it's sort of like like it's like you get a sense at at certain points in the movie that like um, uh, Susie, did Jessica Jessica Harper's character, can hear like the soundtrack, or it's like the soundtrack is indicative of something she's sensing, like, and like again, like the ability to just like conjure barbed wire or possess a blind guy seeing eye dog. Um, it's sort of like it's just this kind of like ethereal presence that's never represented in a literal sense like the the shifts the the dramatic artificial shifts in lighting are like conveying the sense of of this witchcraft magic as this kind of something you sense indirectly but isn't being depicted totally literally well yeah absolutely i mean this movie prioritizes uh sensation and having its audience feel 
as opposed to presenting like a very strong, tight story that logically yeah. makes sense. Like that's not. It's what, a vibes movie. That, it's a vibes movie. That's uh, it's a vibes movie, and it's a it's a movie about like basically the basically having a nightmare. Yeah, like it is nightmare logic, uh, dream logic, not unlike what David Lynch does in his movies. Like this is a movie to be felt and experienced. Like you don't yeah. watch Suspiria, you experience it uh, because it is such <laughs> it is such a assault on like all senses. Um, like it, just the specifically like the combination of the visuals, like all those bright, clashing colors that are just so beautifully saturated, um, and that really aggressive goblin score of like prog yeah, rock. and it's... parts of it that sound like a music box, and then there's just like one of the guys. Yeah, witch. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like just Which, I think he said he was just like yeah, I was just like saying gibberish into the microphone. It's it's very well, it's very distinct from the kind of Hollywood American approach to film, oh, where, where music is meant music is meant to be this kind of like unobtrusively reinforce the visuals. Yeah, it's supposed to be or the emotional core somewhere. of the movie. Yeah, whereas in this, it's like the music is very front seat when it kicks in. It's very front seat. It's very like almost like a music video, like it's that strong a component of the presentation. Um, which is why it's like, it is like, it's like something like you can listen to that soundtrack as a standalone piece of music Absolutely. because it's it's not written to be just a supporting structure of the visuals, but to uh, sit on top of them and be just as prominent in the experience of watching the movie, which is what makes it distinct from like most English language movies, I think that we get. Yeah, and... Uh- just it's in the grand tradition of other horror films that are very much elevated by the soundtrack and like or just would not be the same if they did not have the score they have like you know psycho uh halloween uh you know you name it i i feel like horror as a genre has like is where like the use of sound and not just not just like score, but like like this this movie yeah, also sound has design. great sound design. Yeah. Like the combination of sound and images. Like first of all, that's just like the alchemy of cinema in general. But in horror movies in particular, and I think like this movie is like the prime example, um, along with something like Eraserhead, uh, which was I think I think that yeah the same year seventy seven um, or seventy five. But anyway, like, yeah, I mean Eraserhead's hard to but like. Yeah. Yeah, just the use of and the combination of uh, visuals and uh, like auditory sim- simulate stimulation, like that is what makes a movie experience engaging. Like I don't want to. That's why we complain so much. Like when we watch these fucking bloated ass Marvel movies and the visuals are so uninspired or like so completely CG that you just lose track of whatever it is you're trying to have your focus be uh fixated on uh like the the music is so generic and the sound effects are like there but they're like not you know they're they're just there because like you know you can't see a guy shooting a gun and not like hear it like they're just there it's It's not they're not it's it's not like experimental or like you know uh or really like it just doesn't hold your attention like it's 
and maybe it's unfair well, it's, to it's, make it's, this comparison because these are like a Italian giallo like horror movie and like a Marvel movie are completely different things. But but one is undoubtedly better than the other. Let's otherwise we would not be making this podcast. Well, the, the Marvel movies are it's 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 a kind of like utilitarian approach to film where it's like the sound effects are there to make you believe what you see. Yes. Um, and what you see is in service to the conveyance of plot as like a, a, a mechanistic feeding you of information. So it's all just like, first and foremost, it's just meant to be like a, a, a straightforward way to just convey X, Y, and Z units of information. Whereas here, it's like the, the, the method of presentation is the exercise in and of itself. And that's something that's kind of, like I guess there's always been a kind of utilitarian element to American Hollywood filmmaking, with with exceptions, yeah, um, like David Lynch and stuff like that. But it, it's often been that kind of like pursuit of of um, conveying information over the 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 beauty in or of the act of expression itself. Yeah. Um, um, and, I think, and that's why, yeah. like, you'll see, like, a lot of the most interesting Hollywood movies are not always, obviously, but often, but often, and as not, are made by people that are like imports to Hollywood who started their careers in England, France, Germany. Oh yeah, I mean that was China, the case with have, like Japan. early filmmaking, um, or at least like the American industry. Like a lot of the most prolific early, uh, like Hollywood directors, got their start in like German cinema. Like, German cinema yeah. being, like, one of the actual, like, oldest, like, as old as American cinema, like, the whole fucking industry. Um, well, yeah, yeah, the French, the French invented movies, and obviously it probably went to neighboring countries, Italy and Germany, yeah. faster than it went anywhere else. Which, you know what? I just, this literally just occurred to me, um, but Dario Argento had also been inspired by, I think there's... It's it's either like a a legend or like a superstition that like the uh, I also like tri-state area between like uh, Switzerland, Germany, and France, like where those countries meet. The, yeah, there's um, some some sort of with, esoteric meaning. It's for like that. it's yeah. yeah, it's like a triangle, um, which is why which is actually kind of why like the the school the dance academy itself is uh, in Freiburg, uh, which is like south southwest uh like on yeah the, it's, it's, it's where it's where germany meets like you've got there's a point where switzerland germany and italy meet but and then yeah. not far from that is like austria and france either like this like a tri-state sort of thing but anyways my point was like like this just occurred to me now kind of just like the history of filmmaking involves deeply you know the french and the german um so i I mean, it's just a thought I have. Like, maybe it's also like you know, witchcraft as a synonym for filmmaking itself. Like, I think this movie is also, uh, as well as the 2018 Suspiria. Like, these movies really exemplify like the art of filmmaking as a form of like black magic um, in and of itself. Um, but what I what I was gonna say in in reference to like sound design, I think in this movie the scene that really hammers uh that importance uh down is the scene where they're uh all the students because they're 
uh, maggots start falling from the ceiling because they're spoiled. Oh meat yeah, the ceiling is just crawling with them. It's which super is, gross. Yeah, they're picking them out of their hair and stuff. Like it's like, really up. Was that a like body that they were like trying to get rid of and like forgot about, or was no, it actually it's, it's like just, spoiled meat that was supposed to like be fed to the students? There's no indication of a body, at least in that part. I, I think Who it's cares? more just Baggins, like gross. Get, yeah, it's, the, the thing that seems beautiful on the outside is rotting on the yeah. inside. Um, I think that's the the suggestion. Yeah, but any anyways, that uh, well, the reason it starts the for plot reasons, the reasons it has to start raining maggots is so that all the students um, have to leave their dorms and uh, sleep in like the the main hall all together. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Susie and Sarah, they're in bed next to each other. Lights go out. Uh, and it's just also a very beautiful scene, like all lit in red. Um, there are like yeah, red, curtains, reds and these, greens. These like yeah. sheets uh, dividing the student section from like the teacher section, and there's this bizarre, like scary ass snoring. Which uh, Big L, please cut a clip of. Uh, Mother Marco's snoring because it's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um. And Sarah notes that is the directoress that is snoring. I've heard her snore before. I was in a room next to her like last year during some time she visited. Um. But that's weird because. All the other teachers said the directress was away on whatever on a trip abroad. Why are they lying to us? Um, so Sarah's Sarah's also the one. Yeah, that's you, like, you get this kind of yeah. like bright, like you get this bright red light and coming through the sheets. You get this silhouette of our our Helena Marcos in this movie. Are just kind of like arch witch, arch demon figure, and then you've got. Uh, Sarah and Susie are two S names. I once read that names which begin with the letter S are the names of snakes. I'm a snake. I'm a slithery little snake and snake. I'm so slithery and sneaky because I'm a snake. Sort of whispering conspiratorially with the the kind of our, our arch villain figure silhouetted in the background yeah. in red so it's all yeah it's all very expressionistic and um kind of boldly rendered iconography to match in a in a literal sense what's happening in the story right yeah um and yeah from from there basically the Sarah and says well more Sarah um really because she was Pat's friend. Pat's friend, and she starts really investigating. Of course, gets a little too deep, and uh, so the uh, witches throw her into a pile of a uh, barbed wire, which is also like a really sick death scene. Like that, yeah. That just that still like makes my skin crawl. Just like watching that, she's like, it's just it is conceptually out, like, really upsetting. Cut. Yeah, it's horrifying and and vicious and mean-spirited and that's why it's amazing because i yeah don't, no no there's there is some element of like, genuine sadism running through i don't watch this horror movie. movies to be like coddled and comforted no i watch horror movies to get like a visceral physical reaction and yeah the idea yeah, to, of to falling poke into a every 
razor wire is like, like I'm getting like psychosomatic reactions just thinking about it right now. Like, yeah, it's, it's horror movies are meant to poke every red button marked with an exclamation mark in your psyche. Yeah. So, so once Sarah's, you know, for real dead the movie turns like most of its focus onto, you know, Susie investigating what the fuck is going on at this school. Why are so many students? Uh, Su- Su- Susie, who's called a genius yeah. for figuring out right from left. For fig- like, the- yeah, that's the thing with this, with the, the how like the witches or their their secret lair that Susie finds at the end of the movie comes about. Uh, Sarah's counting their footsteps, which um, to to make a minimal, slight slight uh, illusion or comparison to the 2018 version uh that is also something like sarah also does that in the 2018 version but it's much more uh believable because she's actually yeah mia goth actually has her like head like ear next to all of like the walls like clearly listening while in in this movie sarah's just kind of like like on susie's bed just like they're clearly going that way i can hear them going right and left uh, but yeah, that's yes. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah. And then Susie's like, the actually, they're going left, not right. And it's like, yeah, they're not leaving. And she's like, oh, you're such a genius, Susie. And it's like, well, but again, like but, when you think about it being like adolescent girls in a exactly in a, a fairy then tale it, it setting, like it matches that sense, which Hansel and Gretel story beat kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Oh, and I mean, although like the only two like students we actually see from the academy who are like killed are pat hingle and sarah uh the other girl that pat hingle like whose uh apartment pat hingle went to and who got killed she had no relation to the dance academy um but the other on-screen kill we get uh, which is also really sick is a blind the blind accompanist uh who gets fired because uh his seeing eye dog uh bit a Little, uh, just a little bowl cut, uh, Dutch Albert. boy, Albert. Yeah, creepy. What was, yeah, Al- was Albert just, with his bowl cut what? and his little short pants was, and his school uh, uniform. I was seeing my dog, uh, bit a little, uh, just a little bowl cut, uh, Dutch boy, Albert. Yeah, creepy. What was, I was just, I saw that, you know what? I was just like, when that, when he came on screen, the first thing I thought about was you saying, I'm a little Dutch boy. I'm a little Dutch boy. <laughs> I'm a little Dutch boy. Who, yeah, he's dressed like the fucking berries and cream guy. <laughs> when I was a little lad, if I wanted berries and cream, mommy made me do the little lad dance. Now mommy's gone. I love it, the polters. I love, I love it, the, the, the dog beats me. Uh, and it's and it's set up like it's one of the women running to school, one of the witches who's who's casting nefarious spells on his dog. With the dog, Susie. Fight the kid, well, which Susie first. She makes her sick, and, yeah. and it's implied like she's flashing this like knife or shard of glass, and it reflects on Jess Carpenter's face. And it's it's like she sets up this dog to to bite little Albert, little, so that they. Dutch boy. Um, yeah. So I. He gets the blind pianist gets fired by uh, Miss Tanner, who's another one of the uh, uh, like reigning matrons Witch. of the school, and she she's uh, what's hold on what's that actress name actress's name because she's also uh, Alita Valley. Um, she was also like a very 
famous um, Italian actress as well. Um, here, she she looks very much like the Trunchbull from Matilda. She really does. Which yeah. I, I can't imagine <laughs> wasn't, now that I think about it, like... It, it might I, be deliberate. I wouldn't be surprised if Danny DeVito really likes this movie. Because Danny DeVito is just cool as shit. And likes cool shit. So I, I really wouldn't be surprised if... Any, anyways. Uh, but let's... Yeah, so this the scene... Uh, the uh, poor blind accompanist is uh, walking his seeing eye dog, or rather, the seeing eye dog is walking him, uh, walking him through this like huge ass square in Germany. Which um, the this what's the name of the the square? It's no longer like that square no longer exists. It's now like a you know giant like park garden. But I think the the actual movie was filmed mostly in Rome, right? Yes, but mistaken. the interesting thing about where that scene takes place is that square was uh like the location of many of hitler's like speeches to the nazis which considering considering the like historical context that's given to the 2018 movie where you know fascism nazism have like a lot to do with the events of the movie as they're unfolding is like a really interesting connective tissue that i i can't help but feel like was also something that like guadagnino brilliantly teased out and elaborated yeah. in this movie well the the 2018 remake feels like uh guadagnino um finding these things in the original movie and be like okay what if we extrapolate on them yeah um we'll we'll get into that on our yeah. next episode um but yeah, so that anyways, uh, blind guy gets his throat ripped out by his seeing eye dog, and it's yeah, a, it's and, a giant and, and dog, a scene like, that's head, which is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, this this movie has that like bright red, cherry red. I blood. love that. I love bring back cherry red like paint blood. Not that. Yeah, and, and it's because because real like when someone actually bleeds, it can be fairly bright because it because the redness is a product of oxygenization yeah. of the blood cells. But it's also like so that kind of like brown, black, too. purple, brown blood that you see in a lot of stuff now. I think if anything, it might just be like a response to like TV network sensors and ratings agencies. Oh yeah, I think that was actually softer on right. it because it's not as bright. I think that might be right because I think I mentioned I don't remember where I mentioned this. I know I said this lately, but like a lot of the reason, like, uh, not that many movies get NC seventeen ratings nowadays, and certainly not for like violence. It's usually for sexual content. But like one of the things that would, uh, at least back in the eighties, or you know, yeah, back in the eighties, would tip a like R rated something that would be like usually like r-rated towards like an x rating which was the rating that came before nc-17 was like blood spray and like blood splatter mm. like that was an issue i think they had uh like with a lot of the friday the 13th sequels um because i know a lot of those got like x ratings upon like being first presented to the mpa um they were like you got to cut this cut this cut this and it had a lot to do with like you know the the spray and the uh, release of blood from the body. Yeah. Um, I think so. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the just the candy apple red color of blood in like movies specifically of this era. Like this is it's very much like a 
70s thing in these yeah. movies. Like, I, I, I bet that's also a way of sort of skirting the censors a little bit. Which Yeah, because it's, it's yes. only in movies from the 70s that I see that, like, very bright blood color. Which, can I, can I just say, the 70s are probably my favorite era of movie making. Like, most of the movies I consider, like, some of the best that have ever been made were made during the seventies. Um, I think I think that's when, yeah, when filmmakers had because it was kind just of the, after like, the most you know, code latitude finally yeah. done. You know the rate the motion picture ratings, uh, you know standards started to be introduced, but like cinema really loosened up in terms of what kind of content it could show on scene. Like suddenly we could have you know violence, sex, adult content. It didn't have to be either like strictly uh confined to subtext and implied or like completely sanitized um so it's yeah it's and it was one movies where yeah. i think kind of at their least formulaic maybe relatively yeah. speaking yeah i like yeah i i 100 agree there's like with these and we're i know we're going a little bit off topic here but i think i think this is just relevant to our overall thesis of this podcast mm. um like with Movie like a movie like Suspiria, but also a lot of movies of this era, of this era, they have such an ambitious idea and an ambitious amp- approach to filmmaking. Um, you know that that very much came with this like experimental, uh, like oh we're in this you know brand new world where you know we can do all this new stuff uh, without restrictions in our movies. Like it was a part of that environment that really got filmmakers to put their to to borrow a line from the from the kids got directors to put their whole ass bussy into it so <laughs> i've i've, I've, heard, no, that's, I've heard that's that true recently yeah in, uh, i saw nope last night and it was fucking incredible um one of like the top letterbox reviews for it is damn jordan peele put his whole ass bussy in this <laughs> which I, I, I love i love i gotta use bussy more in like everyday conversation or like you know this i mean how are you up here too so you get to use it though it's a very <laughs> yo this sandwich is bussing um but yeah no dario argento put his whole ass bussy into this movie this is yeah, this is undoubtedly like his every, best movie everything's yeah just aesthetically like so meticulously crafted it's such a like it's like a really you know not, not i don't want to like sell the movie short but like it's it's like a really good music video where it's just like the the the, the combination of visuals and sound is so uh, hypnotic yeah. and intoxicating Which and enjoyable. I've I've seen people just like use like say just like describing a film as being like a music video or using just the term music video in a pejorative sense in reference. No, to yeah, movies, I don't mean that. I, d- I just mean been, in that sense. I know, where, I know, but it's always been weird to me because. Again, like the very foundation of cinema itself, like what makes it work, it's the combination of sound and visuals, which is also by definition what a music video is. So yeah, and that and that's yeah, and that's what makes this movie so compelling and such a kind of like predominant sort of articulation of its type and form is is that combination of sound and visuals, where the vis- where the sound is given comparative importance instead of just being a pure supplement to the visuals yeah but i i understand i understand what people mean when they make they say something like that like because they're they're 
pretty much like referring to something like like the first 45 fucking minutes of Suicide Squad. It's literally just needle drop after needle drop. It's literally like a poorly edited together music video that runs way too long. It's like an AMV. (laughs) It's like an AMV. Like that uh, like supplanting storytelling or uh, like thematic uh, like content in favor of just like we're we're just gonna drop you know have this really obvious song play so we can beat audiences over the head with who this character is you know spoon, you know spoon feeding them like you know open up for the choo choo train. <laughs> like that is like literally yeah. how I feel a lot of like modern audiences who see these movies are they're like big stupid babies that like need to be spoon fed every little thing because god forbid you misinterpret something and god forbid you know come up with alternative readings of something no everything needs to be like just exercise your brain at all as a as a member of the audience and a participant in the creative process just, just watch and consume content and then wait until new content comes to consume. <laughs> like, and just, yeah, I feel uh, Suspiria is the very antithesis of that, um, especially those last 15 minutes, really. Like, I think the tagline, uh, one of the taglines for Suspiria was actually, like, what's scarier than the final 12 minutes of Suspiria is the first, like, 87 or something like something like that. Oh, um, <laughs> Which this, uh, like, as perfect as the opening, like, kill this movie is, the, the ending's not playing around either. Uh, it gets it gets wild. Uh, Susie, uh, she figures, she suddenly remembers that the thing that Pat Hingle was saying to Sarah on the night of the rainstorm was uh, about uh, if you turn one of the uh, uh, mural irises in Madame Blanc's office it reveals a secret passageway which is funny yeah, because there's which, an earlier there's an earlier scene in the movie where madame blanc is talking with Susie, and Susie's like yeah the the day uh you know i i came and sarah was running away from the school i overheard her say something about secret and irises and then there's just the the wide shot of the two of them talking and there's just the the, the irises like prominently between them like in the background it's like what yeah. could she be talking about? I don't know. Um, no, it's just, and she just happens to, but that's that's again, that's part of like but, the fairy but tale. But that's part of the fairy, yeah, and that's something like where you that just like the plot, the the plotting is just not like like the thing now, like with a lot of movies, is it's kind of like the plot is just sort of like machine, and it's yeah. it's like this leanness and efficiency is, is what yeah. you admire. It's like oh, it's it, it's it's like a um knock down a lot of dominoes or something Which, and and then yeah. in that older vein of storytelling the plot is itself just a vehicle for for other things like that that's that's i guess yeah. that's kind of like the modern north american north american whatever way of looking at film and storytelling is where it's like the plot is the thing as opposed to being one of the subordinate elements right right um, and that's what this movie is like a big example of ha- of existing outside that framework. Yeah. So so Susie, uh, the climax of this movie is real simple. 
Susie sees the uh, teachers. They're gathering together. Overhears them being like, "We gotta, we gotta kill this American bitch. She's snooping around. We're fucking too much witches, and, and we're evil." Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of actually like really love uh, uh, Joan Bennett's a little performance as Madame Blanc in the scene because she's like, "I want her dead, dead." We must get rid of that bitch of an American girl. Vanish. She must vanish. Make her disappear. Understand? She didn't eat or drink anything this evening. Vanish. She must vanish. She must die. 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 <laughs> uh, like the, there's also just like the acting in this movie. It's kind of like a, a lot of people have described just acting in these Italian giallo horror movies as very stilted. Which is part partly has to do with the fact that these movies are, uh, like the dialogue is all like dubbed in post. Um, so my old man would have called the Wonder Bread Wop. You know, he eats a Sunday gravy out of a jaw. That's yeah. That's part every of reason, every but, actor performs in their native language, and then which was the the way they made the, movies in Italy for a long ass time. Yeah, which makes sense when you're like your movies are all like meant to also like sell in France and Germany, even yeah, they're if not America. Italian cinema was very yeah. multinational. Um, yeah, it's like in Italian giallos were also very multinational as well. Like so, yeah, every, yeah, everybody records in their native language their original dialogue, their original performance, and then it's just each version of the movie is dubbed accordingly to its release market. And it's like, so if the actor natively speaks German, they're like the one actor not dubbed. Or like you have, so you have to watch the American dub of Suspiria if you want to hear Jessica Harper or any other English natively yeah. speaking performance. But, but not, performance. not Udo Kier's voice. No. He does not, that's some, some other guy dubs his, uh, and which is which is funny because Udo Kier's voice is very uh, distinct. It's very obvious. Like he has he has the very thick accent, but yeah, that that handsome handsome like Udo Kier was like such a dish in the seventies. Uh, but yeah, he opens his mouth and it's like that's not Udo Kier speaking and delivering all this exposition about witchcrafts and and magic being the product of no, broken minds, not you know, whatever, and then passing it off to his colleague who's like, yes, witches exist. I am an expert. <laughs> they are bad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the professor of witches and they're fucking real shit. You gotta take yeah. them seriously. Um, but yeah, so Susie uh, goes down the passageway, goes past uh, Mono Blanc being, having her little, uh, like, we gotta kill this bitch. Um, comes across uh, uh, the directress, Madame Marcos, who is an old-ass nasty hag. Uh, just in bed and she can turn invisible um, and Susie defeats her by uh, and this is a reference to uh, Dario Argento's first movie Bird with the Crystal Plumage uh, Susie kills Helena Marcos by stabbing her in the neck with uh, a, a crystal plumage from there's just ah. yeah there's a there's that uh, 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 peacock I forgot what the name of the fucking bird was there's that yeah peacock statue uh, that she knocks over. Um, yeah, that's which fun fact. Uh, the the woman, the lady they got to actually play Helena Marcos while she was uncredited. She's actually like Dario Argento just like went around to like random like elderly like nursing homes around Rome 
because he was like, we, need, <laughs> we I, I'm serious because he was like, we need like an old ass bitch. They, they like, Just they tried, putting, like, I think they tried putting an actress in like old age makeup, which. They were like, this this isn't gonna work. She needs to look much older, which no, we'll, we'll we talk, just need we'll someone genuinely we'll talk about disgusting and yeah. decrepit. We'll talk about yeah, old age makeup 20, a lot for 2018. Uh, especially in comparison to how bad the old age makeup is in the Marvel movies. But so uh Dario Dito found this found this lady. Uh she's like a 90-year-old ex-hooker. <laughs> Just a, a woman who died five seconds probably, after they probably, finished recording. But yeah, she was like Jessica Harper said somewhere like, yeah, Dario just like found some like ancient ass ninety year old like ex prostitute to be the witch at the climax of this movie. This disgusting nasty old hag who just like starts like vomiting up like sludge when she's like stabbed in the neck. I I remember. When they invented radio, I was in my 30s, and I thought this newfangled fad won't last. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel, and in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt. Which was his style at the time. No, she, no, no. She looks like the, uh, the, the old ass shriveled bitch in the, uh, chocolate episode from Spongebob. Oh, yeah. Chocolate! I can't hear you! I've seen, like, three episodes of Spongebob Squarepants. Wait, are you serious? I self-consciously kind of stopped. I went through a period where I was very self-conscious about watching cartoons. I just didn't watch cartoons from 2001 to 2009. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is an bombshell that has just been dropped Stu has yeah, only seen three episodes of Spongebob Squarepants I I don't know how many I've actually seen but it's like I like didn't watch that much of it as a kid it, Damn. Uh, most of it's run was in the period I was self-consciously not watching damn so like all those Spongebob memes that come out you're just like eh. they don't mean anything they don't I, I don't know what they you. mean they don't mean anything they're not yeah. like god because those are just like He's like a caveman or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand any of them. He eats a Sunday gravy out of a jar. Like SpongeBob is literally like just the like signs like for the twenty first floating signifiers. Floating signifiers. Like even. Any. Anyways, yeah. So the the movie ends real abruptly. Like this movie kind of kind of can't wait to finish. Yeah, once it's over, it's over. It's yeah, over yeah. No more, which, Su- Susie, um, Susie stabs Helena Marcos in the neck and then walks out of the dance academy well, runs, while everybody else dies. The, as soon as she kills the, when you kill the head witch of a coven, the coven's basically powerless. Yeah, yeah um, it's that nice, convenient, like, nice old convenient, vampire movie um, thing. And it's, you, you, it's, you kill the one at the top, everything else just goes with um, it. Nice and And it, this done. is expanded upon, like, the, the stuff about Helena Marcos being uh, Mother Suspiriora being one of these three mothers, that is a thing that is introduced in uh, Inferno, which is both oh. the, the the sequel to Suspiria as well as Argento's like chronological follow-up after this movie. Um, and the three mothers also have this thing where they had commissioned a architect to build them very specific uh, like very specific fancy like houses, places of residence. Um, so he like he built the uh, dance academy for Helena Marcos. So basically, when 
with Helena Marcos killed, like, because her essence and, like, power is also very much tied to the the land that uh, the school was built on, like, the school just starts fucking collapsing, things just start exploding, like, walls Yeah, load-bearing Bosch. And I think, like, Jessica Harper was genuinely, like, afraid for her life uh, during those scenes, because there's there's just shit fucking flying at her. This was definitely a period before this was this was before the Twilight Zone movie incident. So, like, yeah, movie, you, just, movie, you could just throw shit at was, actors. Yeah, movie just safety drop shit was considerably uh, less of a priority. Um, and there was a you know better time. Look, if you want to be an actor or an actress, like saddle up, get ready for some things real to be danger. thrown in your face, literally. <laughs> We coddle them now, our entertainers. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the so Susie escapes. The whole school goes up in flames. Um, end of movie. But I actually noticed a, a sort of. Um, it's actually kind of uh, like. Well, there's a it, sequence at the there's a sequence at the end of the credits where Samuel L. Jackson comes in <laughs> and Jessica Harper's sitting at a bar. Like, oh, wow, I just got out of this fucked up situation. I'm going to have a drink. And he's like, we're putting together a team. Of witches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Scarlet Witch is actually the fourth, uh, the fourth, fourth sister, fourth mother. Um, don't, don't, don't say that. They'll find the, like, Disney will just buy the intellectual property and find a way to fold it into their Absolutely. No. Multiverse. Disney, Disney is not fucking touching Suspiria. Look, sisters. Sister Jeanne was in Space Jam too. Anything is possible. Uh, yeah, I mean that is nothing is sacred. I mean there is there is the direct Marvel connection with the 2018 one. You know, Tilda Swinton. Um, but Tilda Swinton oh, right. is also yeah, she in, yeah. But Tilda Swinton uh, is also like Doctor Strange, an actual actress, and not like a commercial like person for hire who just is like doing quips and being annoying like your Ryan Reynolds or your Chris Pratt. Um, yeah. But uh, well, Disney pays the like, bills for the next ten years so that you can do fucking weirdo movies. But if you and something I noticed from the, this rewatch is, uh, you know the the ending. Well, the ending seems like abrupt. It's actually kind of poetic because the movie the movie begins with a you know violent rainstorm, and it and yeah. it begins in water, ends in fire, ends in flame. And I think it's it's also mentioned that uh, Helena Marcos had faked her own death in the early 1900s uh, faking it with a house fire. So it's also kind of, it's like irony as well that this is the way she goes, which yeah. I have to give on this rewatch, I, I realized that this movie is a lot more like circular in its narrative connections than I originally gave it credit for or that I remembered it being. Uh, still huge, huge gaps in uh, story logic and again that like thing where uh Susie suddenly corrects herself and is like actually I saw Pat leave at 11 o'clock even though I said like 10 to Madame Blank five minutes ago like stuff like that like this movie is not perfect am I I love this no, movie well, I mean, again this that, movie. that stuff is just but, not part of the logic of making and movies I'm, in that yeah place and I'm just time. someone who likes a strong story and a story structure in my movies, which um, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it right now since we're kind of at the the end of our discussion for this movie, um, uh, Guadagnino's uh, Suspiria is better. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
You literally I mean, just well, just they're just they're such game. apples and well, yeah, they're such they're apples, apples and oranges, oranges but, films. Um, but. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, like I don't want us to sell the original short. Oh like, God! There, oh there's no! Like, oh, it's it's legendary it is, and it's but all it's right. yeah, but and it's like but it's like it's it's fairy tale structure like makes sense for what it is, but it's not. I mean, there's something with like let me get it's like a very like a fairy tale thing. Where it's like well, witches are just kind of evil, and they're just sort of like like their power comes at inflicting misery on others to bring wealth onto themselves or wealth yeah that is a specific thing that uh udo kier's uh colleague old man colleague uh and and you see it with like like the other girls in the academy are always asking jessica harper for money you're asking her how much the things cost well there's that like one locker room scene where they like it's yes with all they're very wealth motivated Um, yeah olga who's Um, a character who's you know, and initially Susie is supposed to be staying with her in her apartment. Uh, she's this really weird ass uh, uh, German lady who very bitchy. Um, I actually watched a little behind the scenes thing with the actress who played Olga, and she said that at least to her, in her understanding, um, in collaboration with like Dario Argento, Olga was kind of supposed to be like a young witch in training. So the implication is that, like, well, she's complicit. That she's yeah, complicit. in the whole yeah. apparatus. Um, which you know, abs- absolutely, she's weird ass. She like her, uh, you know, she's just she has like three scenes in the movie, and then after Susie's like, you know, after Susie collapses during like the one and only dance sequence. And like again, Jessica Harper barely dances in this movie, which is the another dancing just seems like, to be a means a means to an end of like getting her character in this. Yeah, but uh, it is it is not it is not. That's the th- that I think that's the thing that really pushes me to consider the uh, Guadagnino's version. I I really need to stop using the like I'm I'm not going to refer to it as a remake because it's really not. Um, like what I think makes, and you mentioned you messaged me this earlier. Like what, like the because in that movie, it's the dancing that does the spells, which it, is such it sits like at the heart of the movie. It yeah, it's like such an obvious connection. It's kind of like in retrospect weird that Dario Argento didn't do that. But then, but it, it's also that wasn't what he was aiming for with this movie. He wasn't aiming. No, to tell, well, like, that's uh, that's the thing uh, that's separate. Whereas- story. But like a nightmare. Suspiria seventy seven is like it takes the idea of witches and the occult is just like these malevolent forces you need to avoid seriously. Yes, like it's 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 a mix of fairy tale and the spooky thing happened to my grandma and like these <laughs> forces exist in the world. They're just unabashedly evil. You should avoid them. They're scary. They'll hurt you. The subject end. metaphor like it's just it takes like it takes the concept of the witch very literally in you know because it's only i don't know when exactly it starts but somewhere in the 80s or 90s where the witch becomes this like symbol of a powerful woman of female empowerment yeah yeah I, that's I'd not just that, like unambiguously but i'd evil. say that like goes back way before even like the 20th century like there have been plenty like a, a it's late at night, so I don't ask me to give specific examples, but, like, I know, like, specifically the feminist movement, there was, like, a, um, this was actually cool, like, there was an enclave of, uh, like, feminist protesters during the second wave that called themselves, like, 
uh, like the acronym was W I T C E H, like witch. Um, and they would just like show up at protests, like in all black, like the witches' hats on, just to demonstrate as these fucking witches, like witches. And it was cool. And it was gnarly. Um, definitely look up uh them. They were, they were like real aesthetic. Uh, but I I can imagine it was a pain in the ass to like walk uh in like marches during the summer and just like you take a little itty bitty steps yeah in those robes look at looking like kim kardashian at the last met gala uh but i think the the juxtaposition and this is what makes these like this interest it's what makes 2018 interesting as a, as a I don't know, remake or, or adaptation sequel whatever it is a uh, reinterpretation is it, it sits on the other side of so I know like it probably has early roots, but like in popular culture, it's like the witch becomes a potentially sympathetic figure in like, I don't know, to me, it seems like the 90s, like Buffy, Practical Magic, um, The Craft, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Where, where it enters the mainstream. Uh, this idea of like the witch is just a woman with some sort of power or powers who may or may not be good um, in how how she uses them. And so this movie sits on the other end of that cultural turn where it's and, and we'll get into this as, as we talk about it but that's kind of the interesting part of the contrast is whereas the original is like a fairly as, as opaque it is around the edges as, yeah. as dreamlike as it is as, as much, it's hard to really describe what makes this movie interesting and compelling to watch because it's it's in the experience of watching it but the the what makes the re uh, the 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 2018 movie interesting is in where it makes these deliberate choices to, to contrast itself to the original yeah Sitting, sitting on the other side, where it's like, okay, no, we're going to take the idea of like a coven of witches seriously as like these are women who exist and have personalities and value systems, um, and and we're going to draw this this kind of a likeness to a, a revolutionary group, which in turn is alike almost to a cult, which is like a thing with a lot of cultural and historical precedent, which is like radical left wing groups becoming functionally cults. Like there's there's a that happens a lot, actually. Um, let's, but that's we we don't we don't want to give away our uh, bonus content. That is no, uh, that's can, that's kind of where we're, we'll be jumping for off for part two. Per month. Just consider considering consider giving a uh, beautiful, smart young woman and her ginger co-host some money. I need, I need money and and adequately unobtrusive guy. Um, um, but I would. I would say like we're because this is a watch something else episode, so like it's it's not like we're recommending you better movies to watch, but I would I would say if you're a fan of Suspiria, um, or if you've seen Suspiria and you're like, I'd like more of that shit, please, definitely check out like the rest of Dario Argento's filmography. Um up until like Well his filmography pre nineteen nineties. Pre I would say I assume you pre mean? like I think Definitely pre like his version of Phantom Phantom of the Opera, which is where like a lot of people say like that's that was his first like big stinker. Um, I haven't seen Sleepless. That was a movie he made with uh Max von Sydow in like two thousand two thousand one. I haven't seen that. To my understanding, it's like at the same level as like Denenhall Syndrome and like Trauma, uh, which oh I didn't. Mentioned uh, Daria Daria Nicolodi, the you know 
screenwriter. And, um, is is that weird that like Daria and Dar- Dario? I, I, oh, right? of course, I, I like, thought about that. The same name. Uh, Daria Nicolodi is Asia Argento's uh, Asia. I don't fucking whatever how you pronounce Asia. Asia. Yeah, her her mother, um, which is uh, which Asia becomes a like pretty permanent fixture in Argento's filmography from like trauma so like the early 90s onward where he basically became like all of his movies were basically about like how can i get my teenage daughter to show her boobs which she's also in land of the dead uh the last main of romero's movies i mean oh you made like some more like direct land land of the dead i mean land of Oh no, I'm not. I'm not gonna make. I haven't that. seen Land of. I haven't seen Land of the Dead since it came out, so I, I don't I have any like make opinions a on joke it. Joke, I would have really regretted. It's <laughs> sad about. Um, but yeah, I would highly, highly recommend um, like watching Inferno after. Like Inferno is basically the sequel. Uh, it's Suspiria two. Um, avoid <laughs> avoid Mother of Tears. I have no interest in seeing Mother of Tears. It looks horrible. Uh, it would probably make me very sad. Um, just movies about witches in general are like my shit. Like I love, I love movie witches. Um, I think like Valerie and Her Week of Wonders is also like kind of similar to Suspiria, and it's like a very vibed movie with like supernatural shit going on. That's very much uh, entangled with like dream logic rather than actual like coherent, strong story. Um, so I, I, yeah, there are like a shit ton of movies that Suspiria has inspired, but none of them are like, have a, have been able to really attain the sort of like phantasmagoric assault on senses that Dario Argento's original Suspiria was able to conjure. Yeah. Except, that, and that's why I make the comparison. Oh. Except for Luca Guadagnino's reimagining of Suspiria in 2018, which we will be talking next time on Marvelous on our bonus episode, which you can listen to for $3 of your uh, hard-earned Three three of your American dollars. Three, three dollars. I think that's like nine pesos. Three. Three dollars. And you can listen to me talk about my favorite movies of all time, uh, which we will be recording on another night because it is like almost one o'clock on the East Coast. So yeah, tune back in for the second half of this episode. We'll talk about uh, Suspiria 2018, both as in and of itself as a movie and and as it contrasts to the original. Um, Definitely extremely watch the original. Like I said, it's, it's hard to describe it's hard to talk about what makes that it's movie so kind. special. It's one of a kind. Because it's it's so much just in the aesthetic experience of watching it. Like we would say, oh, it's vividly colorful. They just you just gotta you know smoke a joint, it's, throw it's it on, sen- and, yeah. And it's sen- it's pure sensory soak it in. cinema, which uh, and and that's why I compare made the comparison to a music video where music videos issue like because of what they are, they 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 can afford to issue like plot per se in favor of. Uh, vibe atmosphere emotion and 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 kind of they, they exist as a supplement to the music so the other way around and well i wouldn't say suspiria exists as a supplement to its music its music has much more equal footing with the 
the visuals and other elements of a film instead of that kind of like well the whole point of a good score of a movie is to reinforce the emotion but to be unobtrusive a good score is one you don't even really notice like yeah bullshit fuck you no no Um, give me me that uh, (laughs) violent goblin theme song Give me that guy just just rasping into the microphone yeah. with a bunch of reeds. Yeah, Miguel, Miguel, play us out. Play us out with uh, the witch track. No, the witch track. Witch! Play us out, Miguel. See you guys next time. All right, yeah, see you on the other side.